right. I know what y'all are thinking. You're like, man, these people done lost their mind, all right? Here's the real reason my brother wanted to hear it today. We're in old school. Y'all know that. He was like, man, you got to go old school. You got to bring open eyes back. And my dad is watching online right now. Let him know, dad. Come on, we see you, daddy. <laughs> Battling brain cancer. He's like, son, you got to sing for me one time. So there it is, dad. Having a little fun. We had a band back in the day. That's where it, it was literally with Alan and Greg and Daniel. And now we had Mo and Scott. Give them a little love, too. Let them know they sat in with us this morning, making it way better. Making it way better. But it all started with this old school album right here. Old Jeff Moore in the distance, man. He's kind of a dear friend to us now because little did we know after all these years, I'd actually get the opportunity to go on the road with him. Daniel did as well. Alan did. It was just an amazing run for us to have a lot of fun. And he had a song on that album called Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? And my mom worked at Christian Life Tapes and Books. Anybody remember old school Juella? Come on, where are you at? And she'd say, if you get good grades, Justin, you can pick out an album or a cassette. And this is the first cassette that I picked out. This is it. And so it had that song on there. So it's kind of a little bit of fun, a little homage to that. And when we went out and Open Eyes played around all over the South, we had a lot of fun doing that. There's a little line in that song that talks about, I grew out my hair to make room for my brain, and you're going, y'all are bald now, you know? <laughs> but we weren't always bald, all right? We had some hair back in the day. We had a lot of fun, and if you go, well, y'all didn't have a whole lot of hair then. Well, you're right, but this is us when we were on the road with Jeff Moore, me and Alan. You can tell, yeah, that's a horrible mullet, but it was a lot of fun, and this guy here in the middle, Greg Harrington, plays with Martina McBride right now, so give Greg a little love, all right? <laughs> Dear friends, we had a lot of fun and we had an opportunity to make a difference doing it. Uh, if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't even be your pastor because music is what put me into the ministry. And so I'm just super grateful for all these guys that let us have a little fun today. So one more time, give it up for the guys coming out of retirement. Come on, y'all. Perfect. All right, we're going old school today. Why in the world are we talking about old school? Where are we going to go today? Well, we're going back to where we started. It's kind of like me. That's how I started in music. But we're also going back to where we started in Simple Church. Here is a little flashback into getting back to where we once belong. In case you've not heard, we're trying to get back to the boardwalk. Watch. Yeah, come on. Give me a little love there. Come on. Now you're going, what are y'all really trying to do? Well, if you missed it last Sunday or you've been out of touch a little bit, we have an opportunity to move back to the boardwalk and we need your help to do it. Uh, we have uh, a really, really cool opportunity to take over where we started. We started in a bar down there uh, on the other end. It would be on the, uh, the south side of the boardwalk and we can go back and we're trying to raise the money. We're trying to figure out what to do with that. If you think you want to help us, man, we really could use it. You just scan that QR code. We're going to announce next Sunday whether we've raised enough money and we can make it actually happen. So if you're willing to help us in any way, pledge is like a commitment over the next few years, or if you can do one time or something, just let us know how we can help. I mean, how you can help us. Uh, and we'd be honored, super honored for you to be a part of what God's doing. Some say that when we talk about this, it's a big move. It's a big gamble. People have said, man, aren't you gambling a little bit going back to the boardwalk? I mean, you've been good here, been over 10 years here. I don't know much about gambling, but let me tell you what I have figured out. In the limited knowledge of gambling, it is all about the odds. Gambling comes down to, you know, do you have good odds? Do you not have good odds? 
and you're playing those things, going, all right, I hope this is the right move. I'm not really sure. But through our prayer, through us, really, for now, 10 years navigating, setting up and tearing down, this will be the first time in 16 years we would have a home. We cannot just have it for one day a week. We can have it for seven days a week. Uh, we can do a lot more ministry. We can have studios set up in there. We have children's space. And so we're like, some people say it's a gamble, but really for us, we're like, man, no, the odds are in our favor, really. And when you start talking about that kind of thing, odds, I could not help but think about everybody walking into this room. Because this is my story. This is the church's story we're walking through. But I also know that when you walked in here today, you may be thinking that the odds are stacked against you. You feel like, man, I don't know if I can make it in my marriage or your finances or maybe even a big decision in your business that you're trying to figure out. Because when you get confronted with a big project, something that's bigger than what you can do, you know, you're going, I don't know if we can make it or not. We've never tried to raise money. We've never tried to figure anything out like that. And now here we are going, all right, God, help us, help us. And I can tell you in my past what I have seen God help us with, when families and friends, some in our family, many of my friends have struggled with addiction. Many people said, man, the odds are stacked against them. They'll never overcome that addiction. Some of you are in this room right now. You're my dearest friends. And thank God, when the odds were stacked against you, you through the help of surrendering to God, have overcome that addiction. You're in the process of staying sober every day. Change your family, change direction. When some people say there's no way that'll happen. Some people say it's even in your family. It's your family history. You can't overcome it. Odds are stacked against you. It's just the way it is. Other people, it could be a hell situation. I know that many people in here are battling with family members, friends, going through different kind of circumstances. And you're going, man, the odds don't look good in this situation. And I definitely know there's some single people in here. Is there any single people in this room right here? Where are you at, singles? Yeah, you don't even want to clap. You're scared to death. I know. <laughs> but some of you have thought, I'm really in a bad position. The odds are against me. I'll never get married again. I'll never find the right person. It's just the odds don't look good. And I get it. I didn't get married until I was 30 years old. Okay? I get it. You wondered. I remember getting on my knees with open eyes in Florida. We were doing a camp and doing some concerts down there. And I was like, God, please, please, God, help me. So I get it. And it's very easy when you're desperate in those kind of situations. And I am and have been there. You focus on all the reasons something won't happen. You begin to say, well, there's no way you could do a big project like this in the boardwalk or your business. You're trying to go for something big or Maybe even your health stuff, addiction. There's just no way. I'm single. I'll never find the right person. All these things stack up. But there's some good news today. That's why I'm glad you've tuned in, watching online. That's why I'm glad you're in this room. Because the odds may be against you, but this is what I want you to remember. God is for you. He genuinely is. When I look back at my life, I can see where the odds may have been stacked against us in one extreme, but yet somehow, someway, God came through in a huge way. As we've been in this series, Old School, I told you about Moses. And we talked about how he came to the Red Sea and he didn't think there was any way. The odds were against him, but God parted the Red Sea. I remind you of David who went in to face a giant. And the giant was huge. The odds were definitely in the favor of the giant. But here, David slays this giant, cuts his head off and holds it up in victory to remind of everyone in the Israelites that God was powerful. If you switch over to the New Testament, the back half of the Bible, we have Jesus who walks into a wedding party and everybody's having a good time and his mom comes up to him and says, Jesus, we ran out of wine. 
I don't know if you've ever been to a party. That's not a good thing, all right? Like, how are we going to get through this? What are we going to do? Odds were not in their favor. Bad planning. This is not going well. And Jesus solves a problem. Turns water into wine. His first miracle. I, showed, I told you about Peter walking on water. I don't know if you know it, but the odds are not in your favor to walk on water today. But somehow, miraculously, with Jesus there, it happens. And probably the most important that we just celebrated just a few I guess about a month or so ago now, is that our Jesus has the power to even overcome the grave. When the odds are totally against you, there seems to be no way our God, through the person of Jesus, can do some miraculous things. I couldn't help but think about that this week in the real world, our world. We have the Old Testament thousands of years ago. We have the New Testament thousands of years ago. It seems so far away, and those stories are powerful and true, but can you give me something today? I will with this picture. Here's are three individual stories that I'm personally involved with. The first one over here. You may have heard of the horrible tragedy that happened in Bossier this past week. Man comes from Alabama, kills two people in a convenience store. Wes Davis, who is in Simple Church every week, faithful giver, is just filling up his company truck at the gas station. He hears the shots ring out. He drops to his knees. He's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? In a matter of seconds, a Bossier police officer pulls up. He sees him. His name is Kenny. And Wes is like, he's in there. I think I hear the gunshots coming from there. Kenny looks at the front door, looks at his superior officer, his superior officer and in a matter of seconds, bad guy comes out and pulls the trigger and that bullet the first bullet rides Kenny's chin could have blown his head off but didn't rode his chin that guy being the evil that he is approaches Kenny Dan while now while he's on the ground Wes who goes to Simpleton says I see it happening just I see Kenny fall I couldn't believe it and then the, the guy comes over and tries to end his life the officer's life puts in more rounds boom 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 one through the shoulder one in the vest one through his legs then in the chaos comes around the vehicle and surprises Wes while Wes is sitting down between the pump and his truck and the bad guy looks right at him and pulls the trigger boom and shoots Wes hits him in his artery in his leg he begins to bleed quickly the guy begins to pull the trigger again, but there's no more bullets. Click, click. Wes jumps up, wrestles him for a little bit. Guy demands he lets him go, and they tussle, and the guy runs off. And Wes lays on the ground, bleeding. Not sure he's going to make it. He said, I looked in Justin. It was horrible. I was like, I'm dying. And here comes another Bozier police officer to put a tourniquet on his leg to save his life. And I go see Wes in the hospital. Of course, I'm involved in all of it because of the chaplain role, and we're seeing Kenny and it's miraculous because I personally am involved with West because of the church but on the police side I'm personally involved because you got to go see what's going on my second cousin Brandon was also on scene and he rendered aid to his his friend Kenny saved his life helped save his life and now Kenny the police officer is already at home can I get an amen on that talking about against the odds and Wes is watching right now from the hospital. Can you give him some love, Wes? What's up, dog? And why do I tell you this? You're talking about against the odds? 
talk about messed up, you're talking about, man, how in the world this is gone. This is the real world. This is happening now, and here Wes is. Here's Kenny. I talked to Kenny the day it happened while he's laying there in the room. He's like, man, it's going to take more than four bullets to get me, man. And I'm like, man, God watched over you. I prayed with Kenny in that hospital room as he knew he had been saved. Prayed with Wes. Fireman rode with Wes for being transported. Wes said, man, I thought I was going to die. And one of our guys prayed with him in the back of that ambulance. Say, man, you're not going to die with me in here. Against the odds? That's one story. Elliot, this beautiful baby boy in the middle is in Houston area. Gone through more health issues, more health struggles than you could ever imagine. Tomorrow he has a heart calf. They're trying to save his life. But let me tell you something right now. This kid has battled and battled and battled. And Rachel and Nate, I did their wedding. It's Donnie and Lisa McDaniel's grandson. And we've been praying and praying. And everybody told us when he was born, he won't survive. There's no way he can't. He don't have a spleen. He has all these complications. He has these heart problems. And this little dude is still alive. Can I get an amen on that? And tomorrow, say a prayer for Elliot. He's going into surgery tomorrow morning, getting a heart cath to see what they can do to continue to get him back on the mend. Praying for you. They're watching now. Love y'all. And then my dad, obviously on the end, glioblastoma, not a whole lot of hope. They think, you know, he's got four to six months to live. That's why we did a little music for him today. I hope y'all didn't mind. Had a little fun with it. But he gets up and starts picking up sticks and stuff this week in the yard. He sends me a picture. I'm out working. I'm like, Dad, you crazy. Talk about against the odds. Circumstances may look impossible. When you look at the real world, maybe you look at your circumstance. Business, relationships, health, addictions, but God is working for you. Luke 18, 27, Jesus replied, what is impossible for humans is possible with God. So many times we kind of downplay it, but I'm telling you, these scriptures give us hope today. And when you need that hope and you need to be reminded Remember this, write it down, go back to the notes page, download it, listen to the sermon again. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, no one can stand against us. And for the record, God is with us. That's us. That's not just them thousands of years ago, this is us, this is what we're going through right now. And because God is with you, the odds are with you. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but you're going, yeah, but Justin, you don't know my financial situation. You don't know my relationship. You don't know what I'm going. I do. I get it. But I don't want you to be surprised when you get into situations where you feel like the odds are stacked up against you. And it appears that there is no logical solution. And maybe you can relate. You're like, how are we going to make this move to the board? We don't have any money. We don't ask for money. We never got any money. We don't know how we're going to do that. You, you could go back to, how do I get out of my addiction? I mean, my whole family's always been addicts. I'm always an addict. There's no way I can get out of this. Launching your business. Oh, I mean, there's no way. The odds are against me. You could go through all of these circumstances. Why does God allow us to get in situations where it's like, man, this is overwhelming. This is too big. Why does he push us? Why does he encourage us? Why does it happen? So that when the miracle happens, like Kenny and like Wes and like Elliot, like my dad, that he's even up and moving around, miraculous. It's so that God gets the credit. Because we say things like, there's just no humanly way we can do this. I'm like, no, I get it. And you're maybe in a situation right here, there's no humanly way 
that this could be possible. We're not going to be able to do this. Well, if you're graduating senior, I promise you, you're going to get yourself in situations sometimes where you're going, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It may be passing math like me. There's no humanly way I'm going to get through this, all right? But somehow, some way, God's like, hey, trust me. Trust me. We're going old school and we're looking at the Old Testament. And there's going to be a pretty powerful story because the irony is I was not good at math. I had to give my math teacher a shout out. That's Coach St. Andre because when I was trying to get my kinesiology degree, I literally, the odds were stacked against me. I go into the math class. Chip Mitchell, who's like way younger than me, is in the same math class. We're at Bipsy. And we sit down and the guy starts writing on the board. Coach is up there. He's writing. I don't know Coach Andre from nobody. Coach St. Andre, he's writing and it's going. And Chip's looking at me. You getting it? You getting it? And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, it, it could have been Chinese the guy was writing. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm like, I got nothing. Because I had waited to take the last math so that I could transfer. And it was the last one to help me to graduate. I walk up to the class afterwards. And I'm like, hey, Coach, Justin Hagler. And he's like, okay. You know, I'm like, that's good. Start off in good. You know, this is a good start. And I was like, hey, man, I don't have any idea what you're doing. He said, what are you talking about? I said, man, I'm a kinesiology major. This is a long time ago. I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to get out of here. I need to graduate. He listens, and thank God he was empathetic, and he said, sit down, shut up, and show up, and I'm going to get you a C. And I said, amen. (laughs) Now, here's the irony. He's in Simple Church every week. Years later, we always joke about it like, Coach, did you ever think I'd be doing this? He'd be like, no. Mm -mm." (laughs) Me neither. And why do I tell you all this? Odds are stacked against you. How's it going to happen? I don't know. I'm just telling you, God has a weird way of working things out. Trust him. And when I show you this math lesson, it's really not going to make sense because we're going old school, Old Testament with a guy by the name of Gideon. It's found in Judges chapter 6. The, then Gideon said, pardon me, sir, but if the Lord is with us, why are we having so many troubles? Can I get an amen from anybody? You're going, Justin, I hear you, bro, but my bank account ain't looking good. I'm not passing my classes. My marriage is not good. I've had this many. My health, why are we having all these troubles? My health's bad. We heard that God did wonderful things before, right, for our ancestors, for other people. They tell us of how the Lord took them out of Egypt. Remember, he's referring back to Moses. But now it seems that the Lord has left us. You ever felt that way before? Like, God, come on, man. Like, I'm trying to do everything. Where were you at? And he's letting the Midianites defeat us. This is the army. This is the army that's trying to take them out. I'm telling you, I felt this way. Have you ever felt that way? You go battle after battle, defeat after defeat. You begin to worry. You get consumed with it. And you feel like the odds are stacked up against you. And there's no way you're going to get through this. And then, here's your reminder today. Then, the Lord said to Gideon, I'm going to help. This is your news flash today. This is for you watching online. This is for you in the room. This is why you get out of bed, drag the kids, get all going on. Because when you need help, we have a God who promises to help us. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help your men defeat this army But here's the weird math part. But you have too many men. Time out. 
How can you have too many men? I mean, I need a big army. I've worked hard to get this company to this size. I've worked hard to get all this stuff together. How can I be too big? Watch what he says. Because I don't want the Israelites. I don't want your people. I don't want you to forget me and brag that you saved yourself. Ooh, man, that's heavy right there. You're just not that smart, business guy. You're just not that good, Justin, to be able to grow a church and figure it all out. You're just not that strong to overcome the addiction. The truth is, it's like, don't be bragging that you're that good. Don't be bragging that you've figured it out, that you've got all this going on. He's like, no, I don't want you to ever, Justin, if we can make this move or something happen, think that you did it, that, oh, we just sacrificed and boy, aren't we great. No, the truth is, our only hope is God, whether that's as a church, whether that's an individual. So then he comes back, you ready for this? So God tells him, so make an announcement to your men and tell them anyone who is afraid may leave and go back home. And at that time, are you ready for this? 22,000 men left Gideon. That ain't a good day, y'all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know it, but if you've got a big army and all of a sudden you're like, hey guys, if you're not in, it's okay. Go ahead and walk out. You're like, where are they all going? But he still had 10,000. He's like, okay, those are still pretty good odds. It's not good, but you're telling me I have a chance. It's a little movie reference for you. So you understand. But then the math continues. And God continues to blow their mind. The Lord comes back. So you feeling good about the 10,000? Hey, Gideon, you still have too many men. Time out. This is getting nuts. I got 32,000 guys willing to go to battle. And he's like, no, 22,000 are scared to death. Okay, I got 10,000 guys. We're going to go to battle. No, because when I go do this little bit of a test, and I'm going to kind of tell you what's going to go on, I'm telling you, they're not ready. And God says, more have to go. We have to get ready for the battle. And after a little simple test where they have to go down and drink water and see how they do it, you ready for this? 9,700 more leave. Now, I'm not great at math, but I think the Scripture tells us that leaves you with 300. You went from 32,000 to 300. The Lord said again, I will use this 300 men, and I will use them to save you, and I will allow you to defeat the Midianites. I'm like going, now wait a second. I like my odds with 32,000. Okay, 22,000, I mean, you know, 10,000, they left, but I can get by with 10. 300? Those are some impossible odds because many of you are asking, well, how big is the army he's fighting? 135,000. <laughs> now, put that in your perspective. We're in a gambling town. Those ain't good odds. You don't go in and go, man, let's push it all in, boys. Looks like it's a good day. No, you're going, how in the world? Now, I know some of you think like, wasn't there a movie about 300? Yeah, you remember this movie? And that's what you're thinking. It's like, and God showed up, didn't he, Justin? When that 300, they came in and started just kicking some tail. And God, yeah. Well, listen, unlike the movie, watch what happens with this 300 and what God does. Are you ready? Judges 7.22. When Gideon's 300 men blew their trumpets. Dude, what? The Lord caused the men 
to kill each other with their own swords. Now, time out a second here. You're telling me they didn't even throw a punch, swing a sword? God won with the horn section. <laughs> now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a horn section. You're talking about against the odds? How are we going to win, Gideon? Guys, I know we are the elite fighters. I know you have great swords. We have been trained to do what no one else can do. But where are my trumpet players at? <laughs> my brother played trumpet. I can tell you right now, he could have killed anybody. Well, I'm telling you, I get it. It was brutal, you know. But this is not the plan, right? So all I could think, because y'all know I'm jacked up. When I read this and I'm walking through all this, all I could think of is this next clip. Are you ready? Are you talking about a horn section? Go ahead and go with me. This is what may have been what it looked like, all right? Roll the tape. y'all think I'm crazy but all I can think is they go do you remember when God wiped out all of the Midianites I'm like how crazy is this do you remember when the odds are stacked up like that you think there's no way but here's my reminder don't worry when the odds are stacked up against you, they didn't worry. They just were obedient. They did what God asked them to do. And guess what? All of those setbacks might just be the setup for your success. When you're going through struggle, adversity, difficulty, time after time, you're like, why am I having to go through all this? It doesn't make any sense. And he's like, because I'm God and you're not. I love you. Trust me. Do what I tell you to do. Looking back at Simple Church, 16 years. The odds were against us when we started 16 years ago. You go, what do you mean? If you're going to launch a church, you don't typically launch a church in the Bible Belt. We did. And from where we left in our office down to the boardwalk at that time, there were around 30 churches within that little area right there. Everywhere you look, there's a church, there's a church, there's a church. And then I pulled up Louisiana, and just for the record, over 7,300, almost 7,400 churches in Louisiana. You just don't typically try to launch a church where there's churches everywhere. But I felt like God was asking us to do it. We pulled together. We had little meetings. This is a picture from our early meeting. There's not a person in the chair. And if you can't tell because the picture's dark, I got my eyes closed because I'm praying, Go, oh God, what's happening? Please, Jesus, help us. We didn't have any technology. That's all we had was that one little projector to put the image on the screen. We'd pull together with a little group of people. We'd go out to Party Central and we'd try to eat and try to encourage and, hey, man, we're going to make it. From 80 people... To thousands of people. No money whatsoever. We started the similar church with like $50,000. And all it bought was the trailer, the first trailer full of equipment. We didn't have any buildings. We didn't have any money. We barely had any people. But here we are 16 years later. You ready for this? God can do what no man can do. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm smarter. It's not because I was trained better. It is because God literally decided to bless us. God literally said, I want you to know, Justin, I love you. And you can trust me. 
But you have to be obedient, even when it doesn't make sense. When Amber was first coming over from Dallas, she had known her for a long time. She was an open eyes fan too. Thank you, Amber. We love you. And Amber was like, what are you doing? Like, I think I want a job, but I don't know if I can leave teaching and come and be a part of the church. And I told her this verse that Rick Warren told us many years ago, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. This is Jesus speaking. She was worried whether she'd be qualified and could God really use her. And I'm like, hey, just show up, be obedient. He loves you. You can trust him. Do what he asks you to do. And he's going to do his part. And the powers of hell will not prevail against it. Here's another one for you. Ephesians chapter 2. Christ is the one who holds the building together. When y'all are saying, well, what happens to us if we don't make it? Aren't you worried? Mm -mm. No, I'm not. Because I know Christ brought us to this point. He'll hold us together. And he's the one who makes it grow. We've seen 12,000 people at an Easter service before. There's nobody in Shreveport Bossier ever seen that that I know of. Some great churches in this area. We have it in our history. Oh, y'all are smart. You really knew what you were doing. No, he caused it to grow. Man, how did you get from here to there? Well, the truth is, we didn't even know what building we were going to. We didn't even know we were going to be here. Tom Meehan, a good friend of mine, I'd do a wedding here, walk in, and he's like, hey, man, you ought to move the church here. I'm like, Tom, I don't know if we can do it. We were in every theater in the Shreveport. I was like, I don't know if we can do that. He's like, I'll make it happen. And here we are. It's been a good run. Been a lot of awesome things. Let me tell you something. God made that happen. And then it goes on to say, and you are the part of that building Christ has built. You know what? You think it's me and y'all, the band and the staff. I'm telling you, it's you. You are a part of what God is doing. And you are a place for God's spirit to live. This is why the church is never about what building we're in. It is about the people coming to an environment, being a part of something that literally God is using you to do. And we get the blessing of being used. We first announced the boardwalk move on Easter. And everybody's like, why did you announce it on Easter? Because there was a lot of people there. That's why we did it, all right? But there's another reason. It's resurrection day. It's celebrating when death moves to life. John 5 says it like this. Jesus will even raise from the dead anyone he wants to. What's that saying is, is when Jesus is there and the power is there, he'll do what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. And all these people have been talking to me for all these years. I'm with Do Good Stores in the Boardwalk. We've been there forever. And there's some cool things going on there. But most of the time what people say is, oh, the Boardwalk is so dead. It's so dead down there. Oh, the boardwalk is so dead. And all I can think in my mind was, how awesome is it that our God brings dead things back to life? You ever think about it? How awesome is it that the reputation of who he is and what we are about, that we get to part, be a part of raising things that seem like they're dead and useless and bringing life back into them and changing, whether that's the community we live in or the world that we live in. And I know what some of you are saying, well, yeah, but isn't he really just talking about the fact it's heaven, like we're going to be overcome death? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. It's not just about heaven. It's about what happens on this earth. That's not just me saying that. That's Jesus. Most importantly, that's Jesus. Matthew 6.10, you ready for this? We pray and you go, what is, who is we? I believe it's God saying, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're all together on the, we pray that your kingdom will come, that what you want will be done here on earth, the same as it is in heaven. What was Jesus saying? He was like, our goal is, is not that one day we just have the kingdom in heaven. That is awesome. But I want it on earth. 
I want it done here. I want it in our neighborhoods. I want it in our community. I want us to bring the community, Jesus, to bring his kingdom into their presence. And that's what God said. This is his whole thing. That's Jesus' words, not mine. I want the community to know that when you feel dead, when you feel like there is no hope, when you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, we know a guy who brings us back to life. So whether that's your marriage, whether that's your business, or silly as it may seem, it's a facility located in Bossier City that seems dead. When I look at this image and I think about what could be, most people go, it's dead. There's nothing down there. But to think that God could use us to bring his kingdom, to make it look like this from death to life, it's possible. And why do I keep saying this is because this is the journey we're on. You have another journey. I'm hoping you get on this journey with us. And I'm hoping that you'll understand that as we're going down this, there's individual things that God's teaching us and individual things God's teaching me as the church goes on this journey. And one of those things, the example is when people are battling cancer. And you think about this. My dad has brain cancer now. I've always been empathetic towards people. I've always been sympathetic. I, I understand what they're going through. But when it's somebody in your family, things do get a little different. You do see things differently. And when I think about the boardwalk, I think about how many times we've gone down there in the last couple of years to do one thing, to raise money for children who are battling cancer. In the middle of the darkest moments of their life, we choose to go down to the boardwalk and you choose to come with us and you gave your money and your resources and your time to do what? To bring life to kids that feel like there's no hope. Now, I pulled a little video together. Just listen to the lyrics, watch the video because here's the thing. When there's nothing, quote, down at the boardwalk, watch what happens when Christians get down there to do some good, to help kids and families that need that encouragement. This is Good Times Roll and Do Good Duck Day. Watch. Don't have Come on, y'all. Give a little round of applause for that. And think about it. Why do we do it? It's because you're bringing hope to people who are struggling to find hope. You're raising money for people who don't have the resources. And you're giving them a beach retreat. You're giving them a chance to go to the beach and get away from cancer for just a week. You can sign up for that trip, by the way. We're going again this year. That's why we did Do Good Duck Day. We're raising that money to make it happen. And why does all this matter? It's because the odds are stacked up against those kids. And when our God shows up through us, amazing things happen. When odds are stacked up against the church, there's no way. How are you going to make? We just going to let God show up. And guess what? 
You don't just go, well, go do it, God. No, he's like, I'm doing it through you. That's why we need you to give. That's why we need you to serve. That's why we need you to help. You don't just make the move and everybody go, well, I hope that works out. It's like every person doing something helps a kid battling cancer. And every person doing something helps a church move. Because you got to believe that, hey, something better is possible. Our God brings dead things back to life. Mark 5, one cool story, but I'll close with. This is a story in the New Testament where Jesus walks into a situation where this daughter has passed away. She's dead. And the group comes together and they're like, hey, there's no need to bother Jesus. She's dead. And Jesus, I love this part. He says, Jesus did not care what men said. He's like, I hear you, but I don't care what you say. And then Jesus goes to the dad, his name is Jairus, and he says, I don't want you to be afraid. I just want you to believe. I go back to how Gideon must have felt, how I feel at times, how you feel at times. Their fear just tries to come in and paralyze you, and there's no way we're going to do this and no way we're going to do that. No, just believe. The story goes on to say that people started laughing when Jesus said, hey, no, she's sleeping. I got this. And they all started laughing. Jesus sends them out. He's like, hey, man, get out of here. And here's the thing, although you may feel like people are laughing at you and you feel like there's no way this is going to happen, you're not going to overcome your addiction, you're not going to fix the relationship, you're not going to be able to do the business thing you wanted to do, you feel like the odds are stacked against me. We have a God and we have a person through Jesus who says, man, do not be afraid. You do your part and you let Jesus do what only he can do. When you feel like the odds are stacked against you, and you feel like everyone's laughing and you feel like there's no way this is going to happen, this is when he shows up because he don't want you to think you're just that good. Don't ever try to take credit for building your business. Don't ever try to take credit for building a church or saving your marriage. or what. You're like, hey, man, if it wasn't for him, remember Gideon in the beginning? Hey, God, why is all this going bad? Because I want you to remember that without me, you couldn't have done it. And I want you to know you have a role to play. Trust me, believe, take the step of faith. I love you. You can trust me, but you have to be obedient. And when you go, well, I'm trying to know, what is he asking you to do? What is he wanting you to do? What does he need you to do? James 2.20. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. I love that translation. What is it saying? Well, man, I believe we're going to make it. I believe this is going to happen. If you ain't doing nothing, no, it ain't. Peter had to get out of the boat. Gideon had to go fight the battle, which really meant blowing the horns. Sometimes it don't make sense, but be obedient. Do what he asks you to do. Man, we got a lot of things we could do, but what's he asking you to do? I could tell you, we ain't going to do it alone. And I know when it gets done, it's going to be because he did it, because it's bigger than what any of us could do just like it is in your marriage, your friendships, your relationships, your business. Now, somebody came to me last week and they're like, man, I don't feel like I've been to church unless I get a Steve Hartman video. Well, you're going to feel like you've been to church today, all right? Because <laughs> I got one to close with and I went to the computer writing all this message together, putting everything together and I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work and boom, God is my witness. I type and here it comes and I'm like, because <laughs> you can't make it up. You cannot make this stuff up. You look at Old Testament's one thing, you read New Testament, but when it's in our world, you're like, dang. And when the odds are stacked against you, and when you really do have to take a step of faith, 
Does it really work? And can God come through? Here is the proof in a modern example. Watch. Seeing her there, cuddled up with her crossword, you would never guess 80-year-old retired school teacher Jenny Schrappen had a pen pal in the penitentiary, especially not one accused of that terrible six-letter word that starts with M. He was in prison for murder. So I got to ask, what were you thinking? I've been accused of being naive before, <laughs> and that's okay. I wasn't worried. He's not going to come and get me. No. We'll answer that door in a minute. But first, how did this sweet little lady cross paths with Lamar Johnson, a man serving a life sentence in a Missouri prison? 25 years ago, a deacon at Jenny's church outside St. Louis handed her a letter from this prisoner. The guy had written the church hoping that someone, anyone, would just write back. And so I did it. What was it going to cost me? A stamp. Over the next two decades, they corresponded constantly. And although Ginny says she could tell right from the start that there was no way that nice boy committed murder, it would take the state of Missouri 28 years to confirm her intuition. Is granted. <laughs> A couple months ago, after the Midwest Innocence Project got involved and the real killer confessed, Lamar was exonerated at the age of 49. You did it, Lamar. Lamar spent the next few weeks doing all the things he couldn't do in prison. Mr. Johnson hugging a tree. Including traveling to see one of his best friends at her house for the very first time. Ginny welcomed him in, gave him a tour. This was a new window. A box of his favorite cereal. She knows me. And one last letter. You deserve the best, Lamar. But Lamar says the greatest gift wow. will always be the confidence she instilled in him. Especially when somebody is innocent. You want someone to believe in you. Because when you have people that believe in you and they won't give up on you, then it makes it harder for you to give up on yourself. Lamar says that's what helped get him through 28 years of injustice and now inspires him to serve a life of friendship. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. How cool is that? You talking about against the odds? You got a white granny writing to a black murderer who was innocent. Then everybody said, you know what, you get out of here. You're guilty. You've been proving it. He overcame the odds because of the Innocence Project. Nah. Because God taught everybody involved a lesson, including us today. When the odds are stacked against you and you think there ain't no way, let God do his thing. Think about it. A deacon said, hey, will you write this guy a letter? And we see the video thousands of miles apart and hopefully it encourages you reminds you our guy can do anything but do your part do your part it's true we have an opportunity to move from one day a week to moving into a facility that's open seven days a week we can use it for concerts worship all these other things 
I start thinking about all the things that can be done from addiction groups, meetings, to our deaf friends want a place that they can do some stuff in. And I'm like going, what if? I can tell you this. God loves us. We can trust him. Our challenge is, is God, what do you want me to do? What's my part? And here's what I know. That it starts with the people in this room that are going, man, I need that relationship because I don't know him. And I don't always trust him. Well, here's how it started for me. As a kid, I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I know I don't get things right. And I need you to come into my life. I see where your word tells me that you love me. And then I, I really do feel that. I see stories of how I know I can trust you, God. So I want to take that step to begin to trust you. And God, I want to begin to be obedient. I want to do it your way, not my way. And here I am, Lord, 30 plus years in the ministry. Many people laughed, said the odds are stacked against a bunch of kids from Werner Park to South Streetport to here we are. Many people in this room feel the same way. God, I pray that they would know that it's not because you love me more than them. You love each and every one of us infinitely. And you care for us and you have a plan for us. And you want to use us to light this world up, to make a difference. When we come together as a church, when we go out into this community, when we own our businesses, when we help people with addictions, when we help kids battling cancer, when we bring dead things back to life, God, I was dead. And because of you overcoming the grave and coming into my life, I am alive. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to surrender to you, to follow you, to be obedient to you. And then we look back and see just how awesome this ride has been. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.